Exodus 25, verse 40. We're talking about blueprints. Everything that we see in the New Testament, we see that the Old Testament was a shadow of things to come. There's so many things that we can look at in the New Testament, and then we can look back in the Old Testament and see, oh yeah, he showed us a glimpse of what was to come. He, he showed us a shadow of the real thing. Exodus 25, verse 40, in this section, what's happening here is God is giving Moses a download of the tabernacle and worship, and he's giving him the law. He, he's showing him all these things for what it looks like to worship him to come into his presence. And it's a shadow of the things to come, the things that we now get to experience because of what Jesus has done in his work on the cross. Exodus 25 verse 40 says this, be sure that you make everything according to the pattern I have shown you here on the mountain. That word pattern, it was like, it was like construction, pattern, figure. It was something that was used so you could build something. That was what God gave to Moses there on the mountain. He gave him a download. He gave him the pattern. He gave him the blueprint for worship. That's what we're talking about here today. We're going back to the beginning. Hebrews 5, verse 11 through 14. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand you ever talk to somebody like that? You're trying to explain something. They don't even try to understand. Some of you have kids. You understand this. You get it. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. You should be able to eat solid food at this time. That's what he's saying. But you're still drinking milk. You're like an infant. Anyone who lives on milk... Being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, the complete, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. This is why we eat. This is why we gather on Sundays. This is why we come together for prayer on Tuesdays. This is why if you're in a small group, you come and you get together. You're eating the bread of life. You're eating meat. You're getting the essentials. You're, you're getting equipped and built up so that you can distinguish good from evil. And the more you eat, the easier it is to see those who are just drinking milk still. You can distinguish and discern those who clearly haven't moved on from milk because they're swayed this way and that way by the things and the teachings of this world. They're swayed easily, and they're moved off of the truth and off of the center of God's word and what it actually says and what he teaches. If you keep drinking milk, if you stay immature, if you stay elementary in your teachings, you can't be equipped and you can't be trained to distinguish even good from evil in this world. Hebrews 6, going on here, verse 1. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, and God permitting we will do so. 
I talked a little bit about this last week, but I want to hit it one more time. That word for elementary, that was originally going to be the title of this message series, elementary, but, you know, we changed it up a little bit. I I like blueprint also because it actually ties in a little better. But it's this word, arche, and it means beginning, origin, which makes sense when we, the NIV uses that elementary word. In our culture, this is where you start, right? You start the process in elementary school, but you shouldn't stay in elementary school. You shouldn't be 35, 45, 55 years old and still taking classes in elementary school. You should have moved on by now. That word, it means from the beginning, the initial starting point. It's what comes first. It's chief. So all these things listed here, these are the chief things. These are the beginning, the principles. Let us move beyond them and be taken forward to maturity, not laying in the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying out of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. So that's what we're doing. We're going back and we're just establishing some of these basics. We're going back to the blueprint, the beginning stages, the elementary teachings. And let's make sure we get those right so we can move forward healthy. As we build, we see in Scripture that Christ is the cornerstone. That's another building term. We put Christ at the cornerstone of this church, and we build everything out from him and everything up from him. He is the base. He's the foundation. He is everything. There is no church without Christ. Nothing we do matters if he's not at the foundation of everything we do. We have to get him right and where we stand with him before anything else. What's the point of a blueprint? It's to build to completeness. Just having the blueprint isn't good enough. Hey, I I got the blueprint. I got it right here. If you're not building, if you're not using it, it's wasted. He's given us a blueprint so we can build. He wants to build up the church, to call and equip and build up, to edify the church. And so if we just got the blueprint, but we do nothing with it, that's pointless. Some of us, we we look at the blueprint and we study it and we read it, but then we don't actually participate in the building up of the church. There's people, they've been in church their whole life. They've been in the church 40, 50 years. And they know this thing front to back, and they can recite it to you, and they can, you know, they can rip off memory verses from when they were at Bible camp in second grade, which is great. But if that's all it is to them, if it's just a blueprint, and they've never actually taken a step of faith to build and be a part of what God has called his people to do, to build up the church, then they missed it. Revival, we're not going to miss it. This isn't just a blueprint to look at and stare at and do nothing with. It's to change our lives. It's to change our church. It's to change our families. And that means taking what we read off the blueprint and enacting it in every part of our life. That's what we're doing right now. We're in an activation season. That's what, if you haven't heard, we've been doing prayer meetings on Tuesday. If you haven't heard, you just need to show up. If you haven't been there, you just need to show up. Anyone and everyone. Because I'm telling you, that is where activation is taking place. I didn't have this verse in here. 1 Peter 4. Go here really quick. 1 Peter 4, verse 11. 
Actually, verse 10 and 11. First Peter 4, verses 10 and 11. And once again, if you, if you don't have a Bible, if you don't have the blueprint, we'll get you a blueprint. We got free Bibles we give away out there. We give away resources all the time. On your way out, if you see something out there on that little connection table, grab it. If you're like, man, that, the Holy Spirit is pulling on you, read this. Go ahead and grab something off that table. That's what we want to do. We want to, call, we want to equip the saints because that's what the church is supposed to do so the church can be built up. So grab that out there as you're leaving today. Chapter 4, verse 10. God has given each of you, each of you, each of us, a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. You're gifted. You're called. You're equipped. He's gifted you. He's given you a gift. Use them well to serve one another. That's what we're seeing on Tuesday nights. There's things happening on Tuesday where people are realizing like, oh, the Holy Spirit's in me. He's speaking something. And, and, and there's people using and activating the gifts. There's people prophesying. There's people praying in the Spirit. There's people laying on, laying on hands and praying over people. There's healings taking place. People are using the gifts and being activated in the fullness that God has called the church to be activated to. This wasn't just for Acts 2. This wasn't just for the church back in the beginning. It was for the church for all time until Jesus comes back again. There's gifts he's given us. And so if you're, if you're hungry, if you want more, if you think, man, church should be more than just me sitting here on a Sunday morning and going home and just going back to my life, if you want to come and dwell in his presence, I would tell you, take that next step of faith and carve out that time on Tuesday night and come and sit in his presence and listen to him speak and hear what he's putting on your heart and your mind and how he wants to change and transform you and transform your life and transform your family's life, and transform the lives of everyone you come into contact with. Because people are being spirit-filled, and they're being activated in their gifts on Tuesday. And that's my, that's my vision for this church. That this isn't just a church where we keep doing it the same way every other church is doing it. No, no, no. I want to do it the way this church did it, all the way back at the beginning where people are activated in their gifts and they're walking in the fullness of what the Spirit has prepared them for and called them into. That's the kind of church we're gonna be. Not just a church that sits back and watches one guy and a couple people sing on a Sunday. No, 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 it's a church where we're activated every day of the week and we're going out and we're living out the great commission that he's called us to. As we begin to step into our giftings and our calling as a church, people's lives are going to be changed. The community that we're in is going to be changed. The city that we're in is going to be transformed. That's what's going to happen. Because people are going to hear about what's going on. The Holy Spirit is still moving and that he's still active and that the gifts are still being used to build up the blueprint that God gave us. You have the gift of speaking, then speak as though God himself was speaking through you. Another version says, as, as if you were speaking oracles of God. You have the gift of helping others. Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever, amen. 
That's what the gifts are all about. It's not for our glory, it's for his. That's what the church is about. That's what revival is about. There's things happening on Tuesday night that we had prayed for in the very beginning of this church. We prayed that we would be a part of revival in this country, in this world, in this city. And we prayed that we would see the Spirit of God move again powerfully. And I'm telling you, He is meeting us in this place on Tuesday, just taking this step of faith to carve out one extra night a week that we dedicate to him, that we give ourselves fully to him. And he's taking us to another level as a church. People are coming and they're hearing the voice of God. There's people that are hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, maybe for the first time in their lives, and they're experiencing him in a new way that they never thought was possible And all of a sudden, this goes from just being a dry blueprint to the living, active word of God. And all of a sudden, they're turning to this word, and they're seeing it come to life in a way that they never knew was possible. He's building up the church. He's building it to completeness. That word, it means completeness, means perfection, maturity. That's what we see there in Hebrews That's the kind of church he wants. We can't keep living off the milk. We have to move forward. So right now we're going back. We're going to drink the milk. We're going to to take the milk in, but we're going to move on mature. We're going to start to eat the meat. We're going to eat the bread. We're going to become strong and built up in Christ. That's what he's doing in this season. He's building us up because he's going to level us up as a church. He's called us into a new season to go and take what he's given us and to bring freedom to set the captives free. That's the call of Jesus, and that's the call of us as believers. We're seeing people set free in the name of Jesus. Once again, on Tuesday night, we're just doing the simple thing that he tells us, laying on of hands and praying over people. And there is power that is moving through that. The Holy Spirit is moving, and he's bringing healing. He's bringing words of knowledge. He's bringing words from the Holy Spirit. And people are realizing in that moment, the power of God is here. 1 Corinthians 14. Once again, I don't don't have this one in here. I'm just going off script here. 1 Corinthians 14. Kind of near the end. Once I see it, I'll be able to tell you. This verse has been on my mind all week. 1 Corinthians 14. Verse 22. So you see that speaking in tongues is a sign not for believers but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for the benefit of believers, not unbelievers. Even so, if unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your church meeting and they hear everyone speaking in an unknown language, they'll think you're crazy. But if you are all prophesying and unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your meeting... They will be convicted of sin and judged by what you say. As they listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed and they will fall to their knees and worship God, declaring, God is truly here among you. That's the vision for the church. We started to see that on Tuesday nights. I think there's even been people on Tuesday nights that have come in and they came in thinking that they believed in God. But truly what they encountered on Tuesday nights, it dropped them to their knees. And there's been people that have been wrecked with the Holy Spirit in meeting him in that place. 
Because there's these moments where their secret thoughts are exposed and they fall to their knees and they know God is here among you because there's no way any human could have known that. There's no way any human could have known or spoken that to me, exactly what I needed to hear. No, 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 it's because the Holy Spirit is moving and he's among his church. That's what's happening. That's the church. When the gifts are activated, it brings glory to God, not to man. It testifies to who Jesus Christ is. It testifies, the Holy Spirit testifies within us that he's moving and working. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Don't forget that phrase. Hold on to that. Expert builder. This is Paul speaking. Now others are building on it. But whoever is building on the foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. We have the foundation. We have the blueprint. Don't lay any other foundation other than Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. materials, Gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person has any, a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. You want to make sure you build on the right foundation, that you build with the right blueprint that he's given us. There's a lot of churches out there, they're building up the church, but they've gone off script. They've gone off what the blueprint says. And we don't look at that and say, wow, you know, anytime there's a, a false teacher called out in Scripture, they're not called out by name. That's one thing I've noticed recently. Somebody highlighted that to me, and I always thought, oh, we're supposed to go around calling out all these false teachers. He says, no, 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 just call out what false teaching looks like so your people can distinguish good from evil. And so that's all I'm going to do here in our church. I'm not going to call out false teachers. I'm not going to call them out by name, but I'll call them out by what they teach and what they don't teach. So because I believe that God is maturing us as a church, we don't need to play those games anymore. Because we're going to be able to distinguish for ourselves good from evil. We're going to become mature in our faith. He's growing us up. He's building on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And I believe that he's building up a church that when the fire comes, it's going to reveal it was built the way he wanted it. And so those other churches, we're not concerned or worried about what they're doing or what they're not doing. Our hope and our prayer is that, that they're building on the foundation, they're building on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. And we hope and pray that they would build on the blueprint that God's given all of his church. But we don't need to bring any other church's salvation into question. Sometimes we get caught up playing those games. Say, they're not a real church, they're not really saved. This church over here, they're not saved. I, I grew up in a church like that. I grew up in a church where I, I was told and taught that if you didn't go to this church, this type of church, any other church, any other type, they weren't going to heaven. They were out. That's not what Paul's saying here. They, they might get a little off base, but if they at least get it right with Jesus Christ, if they can at least get that place right, that cornerstone, they, they can build a really terrible building. And it'll fall down. It won't last when fire comes. 
but he'll take care of judgment. That's not our place to take care of judgment. It's not our place to go around telling some of these other churches, some of these other Christians, well, you go over there, you're not really saved. I grew up in a church like that. We're not going to be that kind of church. We're going to build on the cornerstone, and we're going to use the blueprint he's given us. And I believe that when the fire comes, it's going to reveal that our work was lined up with the blueprint he called us to build on. That word master builder, architectone in the Greek, is an architect. We keep coming back to that. That's what Paul keeps using, this language. Everything that comes back to architecture, building, a blueprint. They both have that same root word at the heart of them, arco. It's a beginning place. The blueprint is the beginning place. We can't just stay here and stare at the paper and do nothing He said in Acts 2, verse 17, in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy, and I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. He's activating the church in this season in all their gifts. Acts 8, verse 12. But now the people believe Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went, and he was amazed by the signs and great miracles Philip performed. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, They sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. There's a baptism of the Holy Spirit that happens with the laying on of hands. That's why you see us as a church. When somebody gets baptized here, We also have our elders and our pastors lay hands on and pray for the Holy Spirit to come and fill whoever it is that's making this choice and this decision to be baptized. There's something powerful that happens with the laying on of hands. That's what we see in Hebrews. That's one of the elementary teachings. That's one of the basics. I went to church my whole life, and I never heard anybody talk about the importance or the necessity of the laying on of hands. There's something powerful that takes place. And I'm telling you, we're seeing it on Tuesday nights. There's a laying on of hands that is taking place on Tuesday nights. And it can happen here too. It doesn't matter. Sunday, Tuesdays, it doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit's here. He's here right now, and he's speaking and he's moving. And if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you feel the Holy Spirit prompting you on that, saying, no, 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 You repented, you turned to me, you accepted Jesus, but you need a fresh filling, you need a filling of my spirit, my presence. That can happen here. That's happening on Tuesdays.
Peter and John, they laid their hands upon these believers and they received the Holy Spirit. Acts 6, 1 through 6. As the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers, they complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and full of spirit and wisdom, and we will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas of Antioch. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. There's an activation that takes place when we lay our hands on. And so you're going to start to see that over these next couple weeks. There's people that are moving into different roles within our church and different roles of ministry. And you're going to start to see more and more that we do the laying on of hands and prayer and activation as people step into these roles. Because there's an impartation that takes place. There's a new feeling, a fresh feeling of the Holy Spirit for this next season and this next role that somebody is stepping into. Leviticus 6, verse 8. Then the Lord said to Moses, Give Aaron and his sons the following instructions. Once again, we see this. Instructions, blueprints, diagrams. Regarding the burnt offering. The burnt offering must be left on top of the altar until the next morning. And the fire on the altar must be kept burning all night. In the morning, after the priest on duty has put on his official linen clothing and linen undergarments, he must clean out the ashes of the burnt offering and put them beside the altar. Then he must take off these garments, change back into his regular clothes, and carry the ashes outside the camp to a place that is ceremonially clean. Meanwhile, the fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must never go out. Each morning, the priest will add fresh wood to the fire. The priest must fuel the fire and arrange the burnt offering on it. He will then burn the fat of the peace offerings on it. Remember, the fire must be kept burning. He keeps saying this, keep it burning. The church, too many times, we just let the fire go out. We show up on Sunday and we say, all right, that's great. That's good. I'm good for the rest of the week. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to just, man, I'm going to watch this show. I'm going to hang out with these people. I'm going to drink. I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to party. I don't care because I'll go back on Sunday. No, no, no. Keep the fire burning every day. That's what Tuesdays is. It's another day of the week to step back into his presence, and there's fire getting ignited in people. There's wood getting thrown on the fire like you've never experienced it or felt it before. There's people coming in on Tuesday, and they're saying, I'm dead on the inside. I I think I know God. No, 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 you didn't know God. They came in on Tuesday, and they felt his presence come down, and there's fuel to the fire. The, woo, he's good. He's like, he's fanning the flame right now. He's fanning it back within me, even in this moment. The enemy wants to extinguish the flame. This church, eventually, we're going to have a prayer night every night of the week. When he gives us our building, that's what's going to happen. He's going to give us a building where we can come and we can be equipped and we can be built up and we can throw logs onto the fire every night of the week. And we're going to fan the flame and we're not going to let that fire go out. 
Because too many times as a church, especially this summer, we felt it. We felt it spiritually when we were under spiritual attack. We just kind of let the fire die out on the altar. We just kind of stepped back and said, I'm fine. I'm warm enough. I can live off that last fire. I can live off that last filling of the Holy Spirit. I'm good for a while. And I'm going to go do my own thing for a season. No, no, no. Let's keep seeking him. Let's keep pursuing him. He's fanning the flames within us. He's raising up a royal priesthood. You're a part of the royal priesthood. What did the priests do? What was their role? Keep the fire burning on the altar. What's the Old Testament? It's a shadow of what's to come. He's came. He's here. He's here right now. He dwells within us, that same Holy Spirit, that same holy fire. Don't let that holy fire go out. We're going to throw wood onto it every day. Every time we gather, every time we come together as a church, whether it's in small group, whether it's in prayer, we are fueling and fanning the flame within us. Worship team, I'm going to invite you back up here as we get ready to close it out. 2 Timothy 1, verse 6. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I, when I what? When I laid my hands on you. There's a spiritual gift that comes from the laying on of hands. If you want a gift today, if you want to receive today, in our moment of communion That's a moment of ministry time also. If you want to receive today, you go and find somebody today and say, would you lay hands on me? Would you pray for me? Would you pray that I would receive this gift that God has for me? That I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? That I receive that fresh fire? That living water would flow out of me again? That I wouldn't be stagnant water? That I wouldn't be dead water? That I wouldn't be water that stinks? That I'd be water that smells like fresh flowing rivers, that I'd be water that's flowing like those rivers in the Rockies. When you're up in the mountains and you're near that river and you can smell it, it's fresh and it's good and it's pure. That's the kind of water that's going to flow out of us. It's not dead water. You know what dead water smells like. You know when you leave your trash can open and it rains and you just let it sit for days and you go out there and you smell it, it, it reeks. That's not the living water. No, no, no. He wants to flow fresh again. Let him flow fresh in this moment of communion. Let him flow fresh in this moment of ministry. Let him ignite that fire again. And as believers, we're going to lay hands on each other, and we're going to pray over each other, and we're going to fan the flame within us. First Thessalonians 5.19, do not quench the Spirit. Actually, you know what? Once again, we need to look at that in context. I I, I need to keep reading that. We're going to read more than just 19. 1 Thessalonians 5. This is one of the very first verses. When we first started prayer nights, I shared this passage. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16. Look what he says here. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. We're going to be a church that never stops praying. The idea of prayer meetings used to be so boring to me. I used to think, I don't want to go sit in a room for an hour and just sit in a circle and just pray and share prayer requests. Well, Tina has a toothache. Would you pray for her? That's what I thought prayer was. It was dead and dried up because that's all I had learned before. No, no, there's another way to pray. 
First of all, when we come on Tuesday nights, we come and we begin and we just sit in worship and we sit in his presence. We, we gather up. You can gather up together or you can go and sit alone. But I'm telling you, there's something powerful when you go and sit alone because you're not alone. He's there. And he is meeting people there. And he begins to speak and whisper things to your spirit, into your heart and up into your mind. And you'll notice he'll whisper you pieces of scripture, passages he wants you to know. Sometimes he'll just say, I love you. I love you. You're my son. I love you. You're my daughter. And so we just sit and we gather and we listen and we read his word and we journal and we just sit at his feet. And I'm telling you, every time when the hour's up and we start circling up to share what God is speaking and how he's moving, every time I'm like, how was that an hour? I felt like 10 minutes. In his presence, time does not exist because he is outside of time. And when you step into his presence, I'm telling you, there's no time. We didn't get out of there until 10.30 last week. My wife texted me, are you coming home? I was like, sorry, I had no clue. I had no idea. When you're in the presence of God, time doesn't matter anymore. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. You belong to him. Do not stifle. Do not quench. That's that word, quench. It's the same word that would have been used for putting out a fire, quenching a fire in that culture. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies. That's something we do on Tuesdays. We begin to prophesy over each other. God gives people words to prophesy over each other. But test everything. It's okay to test it. It's okay to go back to God's word and say, is that from him? Let's test it. Is that from the Holy Spirit? But don't scoff at it. If you're coming on Tuesdays to scoff, I'm just telling you right now, the Holy Spirit, he's going to cut you off. He's going to end it before you even have a chance to scoff. I don't care if you're coming in with doubts, if you're, if you're skeptical. I don't care. I'm telling you right now, when you walk in there and you, you have that spirit in you of saying, this isn't going to work. It's not going to happen. I'm telling you, he's going to cut you off at the knees. You're going to fall on your knees. That's what's happening to people. Because they come in and they declare, he is here among us. That's what's going to happen. So I don't care if you're, if you're skeptical, if you're doubting, if you're scoffing right now at the idea of God still speaking and still moving, go ahead, show up on Tuesday. He will cut you off at the knees. He'll drop you on your knees in that moment. And you'll fall in love with the Holy Spirit. You'll fall in love with God. You'll fall in love with Jesus all over again in a fresh way that you never even thought was possible. Test everything and hold on to what is good and stay away from every kind of evil. We're going to continue to fan the flame here at Revival. We're going to seek after him with all of our hearts, all of our mind, all of our strength, everything within us. We're going to chase him. There's a passage in Acts chapter 4. Peter and John, they'd been brought before the religious leaders. 
Once again, I, I put all these sections in, and then when I start reading it, I'm like, no, nah, he wants me to read more. We're going to close with this. I'm going to jump around a little bit. Acts chapter 4, verse 1, if you're following along, if you got your Bible with you. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priests, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus, there's a resurrection of the dead. They arrested them, and since it was already evening, they put them in jail until morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it, so the number of men who believed it now totaled about 5,000. The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest. They brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. The man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. He's the cornerstone of revival. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They're going to say these things about revival. They're going to see boldness come out of this church like nobody has ever seen. And just so you know, the religious in our world, they will come and they will come after this church. They'll try to cut this church down. They'll say things and they'll try to speak words of death over this church. But no man can stop what God has ordained. The Holy Spirit is moving and he's here in this place. And people are coming and they're hearing him for the very first time. And they're meeting him. Draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. They recognize them as men who had been with Jesus. They're going to recognize people that leave revival as men and women who have been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, they're going to see healings in this place. Healings are going to testify to the power of Jesus in this place. They already are. We saw a woman on Tuesday raise her arm for the first time in six years. She hadn't been able to raise her arm. She, you want to raise your arm right now? You want to raise your arm to Jesus? Yeah. She'd had a stroke six years ago. She hadn't raised her arm in six years. Man, I'm telling you, God is moving in this place. He's moving in his people. Holy Spirit is breaking out. What should we do with these men? They asked each other. We can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We can follow man's blueprint for the church or we can follow God's blueprint. We're gonna follow his all day. 
There's a blueprint that man has designed for the church. And they say, hey, if you build a church like this, if you build it in this box, if you build it just like this, you can grow it in a way that is acceptable and, and, and it will be fine with those around you. Or you can follow his blueprint and it's gonna upset the religious folk. We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. The council then threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John, they returned to the other believers and they told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. For Herod, Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O oh Lord, hear their hearts and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Revival, I'm praying that, that our church would walk out in great boldness to preach the word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. I'm praying that we would be filled with his Holy Spirit again today. Some of you, some of you, that's the thing holding you back. You say, I already got the Holy Spirit. Guess what? So did these guys. They were filled in chapter two. They're filled again in chapter four. You can be filled afresh again and again. You can come back into his presence. You can come back into the feet of Jesus again and again and be filled afresh so you can go out and walk in boldness again. Don't let the fire burn out. Let's keep the fire burning, church. Let's stand as we get ready for worship. Let's stand as we get ready for this time of communion. Justin's got a word for us as we move into this time of communion and worship and ministry. And don't hesitate. If the Holy Spirit is telling you, you need to go and you need to receive prayer today, listen to his voice. If he's telling you to go on Tuesday and throw wood back onto the fire again to fan the flame again and again, Come back into his presence on Tuesday.